Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. I stand here on Remembrance Day weekend with not much to say. Now that might make you really happy thinking he's going to have a really short sermon. But rest assured, I got a few things to say. But literally in our plan for the day, the sermon topic, I wrote something like, I have no idea. And in some ways, I don't because the Remembrance Day weekend is a really conflicting kind of uh, weekend for me. It's a day when I'm fully aware that we've got to remember the war. And it's a day that some people don't care or show up or have any interest in that. There are some who think we shouldn't talk about the war and that every day we're living right now, we are in an observing of the war. But it's more than that. It's thinking about you. As I look out over the congregation and I see you and I think about the war and I think you're also living in wars in your own personal life. There's people here who are struggling about whether or not they're going to be able to stay in their accommodation for another month. There's a parent here in this room who had a son complete suicide a year ago and they're remembering. There's a couple that are wondering whether the counseling is going to work or whether they should throw in the towel. There's a senior citizen desperately lonely in their long-term care place. There's a retired person wondering what the hell to do with the rest of the days and when's death going to come. And there's a teenager here who got bullied at school. There are people here who are waiting for test results. There are people here who are worried about the future, and then there's the war. And so when you stand in that kind of place and you hope to speak something, you wonder what the hell you're going to say. Because you too have these worries and concerns. You too worry about the church, worry about the future, worry about the war, and you say, what now? The war is complex, and anybody who's got a black and white answer may be missing something. Do you know that in uh, 2004, on November 13th, you guys gave me this? Who was here on that day? About three of us. This is the Globe and Mail. And this was wrapped up and given to me by the United Way because I moved from the United Way here. And they took the newspaper and wrapped up and presented it to me saying, we want you to be a minister in this church in this city that has the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. When I looked at the title this morning, I just about died. The title in bold is Return to Ramallah. So even back then we were talking about the Middle East and all that is going on there. And I do think it is faithful to have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. But when we think about the war and its complexity, we have to know it is complex and it is divided and it's not simple. When I lived in the war in Nicaragua in the 80s, they had a really fun saying because the United States was at war with Nicaragua Nicaragua with the population of Toronto and the United States well into the millions. And the Nicaraguans would joke and they would say, people come here for a week 
and they go home and they write a book about the answers to our problems. And the people who come for a month, they go home and they write an article about what we should do. And the people who are here for a year can only write a paragraph. And in many ways, when we look at the war, it's a similar kind of thing. It's complex. It depends on your perspective of history. And what we are seeing is evil lived out as though we're watching a Netflix film. And what do we say in times such as this? Many people will say, I just don't watch the news. And yet that temptation to walk away and pretend nothing is happening and we have no part in it is perhaps folly. And so I say to myself, if I'm going to hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, what the hell is the newspaper saying these days that gives me a smidge of hope? And I was saying yesterday in the service, when I look at the newspaper online, the page I read for sure is the letters. I want to know what people across the country, around the world, are writing about what's going on. And then I always sneak over to the obituaries, because I'm so curious about who died and what the story was. And then I get back to the front page, and I circle my way through. But yesterday in the Globe and Mail, there was a beautiful letter written by a person named David Hutton who speaks of this war. He lives in Vancouver. A friend recently said to me, I feel like I have lost all faith in humanity. I understand this sentiment entirely. For almost two years, we have watched civilians be indiscriminately shelled in the Ukraine. The world has witnessed the horrific attacks in Israel and is now watching helplessly as Gaza is pounded to rubble. Regardless of the causes of the Israel-Hamas conflict, there is no questioning that civilians are bearing the unrelenting and horrific cost. But let me share with you something. I worked for the United Nations Relief Agency in the Gaza Strip for three years. A few days ago, a former colleague named Aya wrote to tell me all was safe. She told me that a close friend and his family had been killed in an airstrike. A number of the family members remained buried under the rubble. And then she asked me to say hello to my wife and children. Think for a moment about this. Despite her circumstances, Aya is asking about my family. If we need a reminder about humanity, we need not look too far. We are humanity. It is Aya and you and me. We can either turn away in helplessness or find ways, however small these might be, to reach out to the world and show that we care and are thinking about those who are suffering. Humanity is us. Let us not give up. And then when I went to the opinion page, there's a beautiful piece written by Lloyd Axworthy and Alan Rock, two politicians, former politicians in our country, and in a piece called, In Conflict in Gaza, We Must Think of Our Children. They write these paragraphs. There is scope for leadership, and Canada can provide it. Drawing on a long history of achievement and activism, we can focus on children through the clash of opinions and pose one simple question. Do we not all love our children and thus want to spare them of the horrors of war?
we can use our much-touted convening power to bring people together, heads of government and civil society of life, to reaffirm our commitment to the protection of children and to bring fresh urgency to the need to stop the war and in the meantime to conduct it with accordance with the rules of humanity. Surely the best response to the helplessness so many feel about the Middle East is to identify a worthy purpose and then marshal the means and resolve to achieve it. Canada will not bring about change with military force, but we can make this a safer, fairer, and better world by seeking the renewal of the world's commitment to safety of children in war. That just might create enough common ground on which to build peace. And as I hear these words in the commitment to children, I think of Jesus who, when people were arguing violently about who was more important than who, Jesus paused for a moment and got down on his knee and gathered a child and said, unless you become like these, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. In other words, unless you become like this child and see the importance of a child as the ultimate importance you will not see what God sees. This week when I looked at the paper again, there's this photo of these kids running down the street. And if you saw a picture of kids running down the street in Calgary, it would be as though the ice cream truck came. But these were kids who were fleeing, fleeing bombs. And though we live in very different contexts, we cannot walk away and say, I don't get it, I can't do anything. If you are a person of faith, you must say, I will step forward. It's like the words of Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning. Everything can be taken from a person, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And the truth is, we cannot turn the other way we must step in with a voice of peace and justice in our homes, in our streets, in our world for the benefit of the children. If we are seeing one thing in our right relations with indigenous people, we are seeing intergenerational trauma where children who witnessed something long ago are living it out in their adult life now. And we are watching this in our watching of this war. And so efforts must be made by us and our country to be a people of peace for the future. The last and most important person who inspires me beyond these is a woman named Barbara Winter. Do you know Barbara? Let me show you a picture of her if we can. This is Barbara Winter. She's my ultimate hero. In 2015, she was living in Ottawa as a lawyer working in downtown Ottawa. And it was a beautiful fall day unlike today, and she was walking to see the war memorial in October. And as she was walking to take a picture of it, she stopped and she looked and she took a picture. And then she turned and she walked away. And as she walked away, she heard shooting. And she paused and she turned and she went toward the shooting. And she went to the war memorial where Nathan Sorello, I think we have his picture there. Nathan Sorello was the fallen soldier. He was the one of the three men standing on guard at the unknown soldier memorial. 
And Barbara knelt down on her knees and she grabbed his head and held his head as two other people came and began to pump his chest. And as she looked at Nathan, she said, you are loved, you are an amazing person. And she looked down and saw his wedding ring and said, your family loves you so much. And then she said, look what you did for your country being here, your military family loves you. She said she kept talking because she had been in a coma the year before and she knew the last thing that goes is your hearing and so she continued and she said, you are a beautiful person, you have served this country, you are loved, you are an amazing person. And after he was taken away, she said to the media, everyone needs to know they are loved as they die. And then she said, everyone must stand up for someone someday. And I think what we are called to this day is to remind somebody today somewhere that they are loved and perhaps find a way in your personal life or corporate life to say peace is possible by how you respond and what you say so that all people will catch a glimpse in your life that love conquers all. I don't know much to say today, but that's one thing I can say. May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here, and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.